0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, conversations with your favorite theater actors and creatives. I'm Mikey Worrell. This week's guest has been in some of the most high-profile productions of the last decade, such as the Lamis 25th anniversary concert at the O2, the Phantom of the Opera 25th anniversary performance at the Royal Albert Hall, and the 2013 revival of A Chorus Line at the London Palladium. She was most recently seen as Susan in Marianne Elliott's West End revival of Company at the Gilgood. She also played the part of the priest in that show, coming up on a hydraulic lift, popping out from behind a door and hiding in a fridge in the iconic song Getting Married Today. Here's my conversation with Daisy Maywood. The first thing I actually saw you in was Gypsy at Leicester Curve.
1: Limey, okay.
0: So that was eight years ago.
1: Eight years ago.
0: So I was at University of Nottingham and I came to see it twice. I didn't know anything about Gypsy when I came to see that. So the first time I was kind of like, whoa, what is this? And I remember watching you and when you're new to the show, June is this like amazing part and then you just disappear. And I remember being like, hang on, where is the recognition for for dainty June here?
1: (laughs) I didn't know anything about Gypsy either. I'm not a not musical theatre boffin or anything. You know, I haven't seen things like Chicago or Annie or there's lots of things I haven't seen. So Gypsy was one of them. But it's a brilliant show. But you're right, where does June go?
0: The first time, I didn't clock you in Act Two until the second time round when you had that big brown wig and those glasses, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you're
1: so right, yeah, yeah.
0: So I remember sitting there in the first time thinking, is June coming? But like, where is June?
1: (laughs) But that's kind of what's so brilliant about it, I think, isn't it? It's sort of, she she has this extraordinary moment and you see that you see the reason why she wants to disappear and it kind of makes sense and it makes sense why she'd never come back she doesn't want to come back to that life and i think that's sort of it's quite a brilliant and and brave move to do is to have this character and then just get rid and um, because that's what she, that's what she did in life as well
0: I think I saw an interview from years ago where you said that Curve asked you back after you did 42nd Street the year before. Yeah. So when you came in and saw the material, were you like, okay, do, like, what did you make of the show?
1: It's brilliant from the very beginning, from the, from the overture, you're like, oh, wow. Okay, this is extraordinary. It was Paul Kerrison text me because he directed 42nd Street and he texted me saying something along the lines of, which sounds odd now to say it out loud, but I had a dream about you last night wearing point shoes uh, whilst twirling batons. Now, obviously, he didn't actually have a dream about me doing that. But that's what June does in the show. And that's kind of how he asked me to do it. So for somebody who'd never seen the show before, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) 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 That I'd be wearing point shoes and twirling a baton. But we did it. And it was just a brilliant challenge. And we had, you know, the amazing Vix Hamilton Barrett as Gypsy Rose Lee and Caroline as Mama Rose. It was quite a quite a brilliant cast it was great to see vix doing something that she'd never usually be cast as and i know she loved it we had a really special time actually on that job there's a lot of fond memories
0: i think that that really came across It, it felt like something special yeah do you enjoy doing shows away from london
1: i like doing shows so wherever they are you know what i mean so i'd never done a tour before until a couple of years ago and we did a tour I don't know, you might, you might end up talking about this. I might take you out of your,
0: your ordering here. Oh, no, that's fine. That's okay. fine. Go for it.
1: <laughs> so, didn't, I
0: think yeah. you're going to talk about the thing I didn't see that I didn't know what to ask about. So that's fine. Oh,
1: great. Well, I'll talk to you about that. So Flying Lovers of Vitebs. That's the one. Yeah? So that was an MRI show for high And it was quite brilliant. You missed out. But maybe one day we'll bring it back and you can see it. But it was um, about Mark Chagall and his wife, Bella and um, Mark Antolin, lovely Mark Antolin played Marc Chagall. And I'd never, I'd never gone on tour before. We went to America and it was just the best experience because the show was so brilliant. You know, you could, you could be anywhere in the world and be, have this little bubble of this amazing magical piece of joy that you get to do every night. So, so yeah, I don't mind being away from home.
0: I watched the trailer for that the other day, just to sort of get an idea of what it was about. And then at the end, when it sort of came up with all the places you were going to, and then it was like Manchester, blah, 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 Beverly Hills. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. and we uh, we did it at the Wallace in Beverly Hills, but we, we had to come out for two, for two nights, consecutive two nights, because they were using our theater for the Oscars after party, for the Vanity Fair after party was being held there. So we were trying to figure out how on earth we could kind of hang around, maybe hide somewhere in the auditorium or hide under the stage or something so that we could be part of the party, but, but we weren't allowed. We were very much ushered out. Yeah, but that's quite bonkers. It was sort of like, we're doing this bizarre, wonderful, brilliant little tiny piece of theater. And then, you know, the biggest event of the you know film year is also being held there. But it was great. So was
0: your show just not on for two nights?
1: Yeah, we just had to get out for two nights, which was fine. You know, we were
0: <laughs> sure two <laughs> we nights have... in LA. What are we gonna yeah, do?
1: Exactly. What happens in LA stays in LA. But we had absolutely. A great
0: time. <laughs> Did you have good digs?
1: We're in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic digs. I've never seen because i have never been to America. But their beds are huge. Like everything is mm. supersized. The bathroom was ridiculous. The bath was, you know, you could fit five, six people in there. But yeah, we were really, really well looked after. Actually, on that
0: yeah that's cool that's such an odd thing for a tour to do but was it cool to kind of go and experience those audiences especially if you would never been to america before to experience a a transatlantic audience
1: yeah and they, they they really liked it and the subject matter so they'd recently had a chagall exhibition just down the road so there was a lot of people who came to see the show having just seen um real life chagall paintings and then one day mark and i were in a cafe just around the corner from the theater. And we got chatting to this guy. I don't, I can't remember how or why. Mark will talk to anyone. Um, so we started talking to this guy and it then turned out, he was like, oh, what are you doing here? We said, oh, we're doing this show. It's about Mark Chagall. And he was like, oh my God, um, my boss has a Chagall hanging in his office and a couple of Picassos. Do you want to come and see them? So we were like, sure. It just, it's literally around the corner. Just took us there and we went in this guy's office and there was a Chagall and a couple of Picassos. And then we're like, all right, thanks. And then left. But it was quite nice that people knew who, you know, Mark Chagall was in the American audience. Yeah. That's the sort of
0: thing that would only happen in America, like over here, of like, oh he has paintings, but you can't come and see them.
1: Yeah, the Americans are very friendly. We then went to we came back to England and then did a bit more of the tour, and then we ended up going to Spoleto Festival in South Carolina, in Charleston. And southern hospitality is a real thing. Like, have you been to America?
0: Yeah, I've actually been to Charleston. Oh,
1: right. Did you go for the festival? Or?
0: No, we. Um, my boyfriend has family in just north of Savannah on the Georgia-South Carolina border. And we oh did a day trip to Charleston once.
1: It's lovely, um, isn't it?
0: It's so cool. Yeah.
1: We had a really, we had fantastic digs there. And they used to do a tour, a horse and cart tour. There was loads of them going up and down the streets. So you probably saw them. And... Um, Mark and I had this brilliant house and we just used to like pretending that we actually lived there. So we'd wait for the horse and cart to come past. We'll be hanging around outside our, our house <laughs> just waiting for people to see us going in. Ridiculous really. But um, yeah, that was a really, really lovely place as well. We had a great time. The festival's fantastic.
0: I sadly didn't get to see your 42nd Street, but I saw the revival in London and that whole show was a revelation to me. Peggy Sawyer is one of the, I think, one of the greatest female parts ever written.
1: Yeah. So they'd done that production at Chichester a couple of years before and they brought back most of the cast. So most of the cast already knew it, but I think I had to learn that part. We were running it by sort of day five, maybe day six.
0: Is that quite quick?
1: that's quick yeah so there's a montage in it actually where peggy i don't know how well you remember the show but peggy has to learn the show that she's about to do
0: yeah yeah yeah. um,
1: in a short amount of time and that's literally the process that i was kind of shoved into it was like right rehearsal 10 till 10 go let's do it and my feet were hurting and then but again i didn't know the show i enter into these parts i have absolutely no idea what's going on
0: but do you quite like that, that it's kind of brand new? It must help your process that you can just kind of, you've got no prior perception of what it, the part should be.
1: Yeah, I, I, I tend to try and keep that way anyway. I won't sort of research too, too heavily. I just kind of trust that the director, or the casting director, producers uh, see something in me that they, they, they think is right for the part. So then I'll just sort of bring, bring my own thing to it. Yeah. But my, in fact, most of the shows I've done, I haven't known <laughs> <laughs> what it is before i've before
0: i've done it wow that's so interesting because so many people i speak to are like massive musical theater geeks and like go and see everything and know everything and yeah. literally will know a cast recording back to front before they do a show yeah so what do you if, if musical theater isn't like what you spend your spare time doing what sort of stuff do you listen to
1: well music wise i listen to loads of hip-hop <laughs> Yeah, hip-hop and reggae is kind of what I was brought up on. So really not music. I don't actually think I own, apart from the company cast recording, I don't think there's any musical theatre. Oh, Hamilton on my um, iTunes. I don't wow. really listen to it. Although I love it. And when I go to watch things, I'm not kind of anti-musical theatre. I think it's just brilliant. But it's just something that I don't sit and relax
0: with. Sure. Yeah. I get that. It's, it's, it's work, isn't it?
1: Kind of. Yeah, it's the best job in the world. But yeah, it's
0: work. How did you end up going into musical theatre then, if, if, if that's not what necessarily what you were raised on?
1: So I did a lot of dancing from a young age. And then I took a bit of time out and then did a bit of Amjad theatre and then took a bit more time out. And then it got to the point of going, well, what am I going to do now? And then I was like, well, I used to be able to dance and I can sort of act. So I applied for arts ed. (laughs) That was it. It was just kind of something that I sort of fell into and then really began to love. Yeah, I'm not the most organised person. I think that's coming across now. I just don't, I don't pre-plan things. I just sort of go for it instinctively and then see, see what happens. But yeah, I love it. And the more I do it, the more, the more I love it for sure.
0: Arts ed is quite a disciplined place. It's not somewhere to go if you're kind of not sure about whether or not you want to do it. (laughs) How was your experience there? You know
1: what? I needed that. I really needed that. I needed that 8.45 a.m. start. Chris Hawking will tell you off if you're not there and you won't be allowed in for the rest of the day. And I love that. Yeah, it's kind of like a boot camp thing, but you need discipline to be in this profession and, and you have to work hard for yourself because nobody else is going to work for you. So, so it was great. And yeah, I, I kind of thrive on that. And I loved drama school. Luckily for me, I had a brilliant experience.
0: I did a summer school there when I was 17, and I was not prepared for the level of dance that was going to be required, and I did not live up to that, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, really? It was, I don't want to say traumatising, because I did love it, and I made some really good friends there, but that was kind of the realisation of, I love theatre, I don't need to be in it.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a good thing to realise as well, isn't it? Yeah,
0: It was. it was the point where we were doing... A cabaret number and Jill, the the teacher.
1: Louise Hyde.
0: She had like a ginger bob. Yeah, she's she's the boss. Oh wow, you have cool. Yeah, had had fantastic Yeah, and she was trying to get me to do like flat back and put my head between this girl's legs, and I was <laughs> just like, I just can't. And I'm quite, I'm really tall, so I just couldn't. And I'm quite, got quite broad shoulders, like, and to get through like this narrow, skinny girls, I was just, I can't. Do
1: oh this. bless you, the poor girl as well. She was like, she was like oh god. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a, it was a fun day.
1: That's another, she's, she, did she let you get away with it or does she keep going until you got there? Or um,
0: She really tried. And then I think she could just see that it was just geometrically not going to happen, but I, that was like one of the big group numbers. And then our group did lots of little shop stuff, which was much more my kind of style. Cause I got put in like the Seymour part so um, that really helped because I could then just kind of play up on the clumsy you know two left feet kind of thing so yeah anyway I meant to be talking about you not me oh, sorry um <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask this question now before we talk about every, every show <laughs> Phantom did you know it before you did it
1: <laughs> I had never seen Phantom and I got there so we did this audition process but I think I was more auditioning for the tour that was then happening that year because mm-hmm. we, we were doing different choreography I can't remember the his name now, that's terrible. But yeah, so we were auditioning for that. And then they said, oh, by the way, the 25th anniversary is coming up. So would you, be, would you consider being seen for Meg? And I was like, sure. And then... then and I, you'd only well,
0: graduated like a year before that, right?
1: Yeah, well, I had done... So, I, so I, I was in Les Mis. So the casting department, you know, it was a similar sort of team. Yeah. So they'd, they'd known me from, from Les Mis and then brought me in for Meg. I don't know, the the person that I am or the way I look or whatever, they had to try and convince Cameron McIntosh that I am a Meg. So they put me in a wig, they put me in a costume, they had me sort of walking around the room looking slightly scared and nervous of the phantom around the corner and all this kind of thing. And it was all filmed and sent off to him. And then yeah, I got the job. But again, I didn't know know what it was or anything. And I got there, we had two weeks to, to put it on and i got there and i was just like i don't know what i don't know what this is i have no idea i was learning the story as i went along it was brilliant and then, i love yeah, i love
0: that that production it's so good
1: my mum is obsessed with it i think that's her favourite thing she's she's ever seen really
0: she loved it, it was, that must be so nice for her having you on dvd
1: yeah she, yeah she likes it <laughs>
0: That all got done in two weeks, so was that quite a chaotic rehearsal period?
1: Well, again, not really, because everybody sort of knew what they were doing, so they'd all done it before. I think it was myself, Hadley had never done it, and Nick Holder had never done it, so there was a lot of me and Nick looking at each other, like, what happens now Nick he um, yeah but uh, but no, it wasn 't chaotic it was it was brilliant, and there was so much love in it with because Sierra just loves that part, so when you 've got her at the helm with nothing but but appreciation for the piece then it filtered down and it was it was quite I don't remember it being chaotic I remember it being pretty straightforward.
0: How did you find the actual performances you know with Sierra and Ramin and Hadley and Liz Robertson playing your mother? Yeah
1: Liz.
0: That must have just been a, a bizarre but really fruitful experience.
1: Yeah I was in good company thank goodness because like you said it, it wasn't long out of drama school that I was thrown into that but it It was brilliant. It was extraordinary. It was really weird how, I think it was one of the, I feel like it was one of the first ones to be live streamed. Mm -hmm. That that bizarre experience of having um, interaction with an audience whilst you're in a show. So things on Twitter, because there was only Twitter then, things coming through on Twitter saying, you know, watching in Spain or watching. I was like, wow, actually, this is going going worldwide right now. And I had an allergic reaction to my makeup. So throughout the whole thing, (laughs) all you can see is, my eyes watering and there was things on twitter saying why is Meg crying and i was like i'm not crying i'm having an allergic reaction to my makeup <laughs> so yeah if you look back on the dvd that's why
0: i can't see really oh goodness i don't remember noticing that but i, I went to see it in the cinema um, on the night
1: yeah
0: i just uh, i just loved it it was so it kind of re reignited the, the love of phantom for me because I mean, obviously I'd seen it like as a child, but it wasn't one that I'd listened to a lot. So I remember after that, I just went through a phase of just listening to it like constantly.
1: Well, it's, it's great music. There's a reason why those shows, some of the Lame Is*, there's a reason why they've been around for so long. You can't knock them for, for that. Yeah, they're pretty sturdy, pretty sturdy stuff. Andrew Lloyd Webber knows what he's doing.
0: He does, he does. What did you love most about playing Meg?
1: Um, I liked the fact that it's so, well, she was quite feisty. I quite like that. So yeah, just those little interjections that she give. I liked, I liked the wig. It's ridiculous. The wig was awesome. great. I, th-
0: I think the Meg wig is way nicer than the Christine wig, right? Oh,
1: definitely. But then her mum is the ballet mistress, so she's going to have the best hair, right? That's kind of, that's kind of That's the how, it works. <laughs> it's how it works. That is how it works. Yeah. And, uh, and working with Jilly with the choreography, that was quite special. Yeah. And working with the original team. Was,
0: was cool. Did you get to spend much time with them?
1: Yes yeah yeah a lot of time.
0: Especially in your early 20s like what was going through your mind when you're in the room with Jilly?
1: So luckily we'd, I'd met Jilly before because third year at Art said we were we were given the rights mm-hmm. to do Cats as our third year show and mm-hmm. um, they cast me as White Cat so I had a little time with her back way back when, not that she'd have remembered, or she might have remembered for all the wrong reasons because I could not get my leg up to my ear. But yeah, no, it was really lovely. And her relationship with Sierra was really special as well. So there was a lot of times when it'd be just myself, Sierra, and, and Gillian at the end of a rehearsal um, in the evening. And she was, she was cool. She was a really special woman. Yeah, she could still get her legs around her ears. What's yeah, she was obscene. She was, <laughs> yeah, she was fabulous.
0: What was it like working with Sierra, obviously, because she brought such a, a wealth of experience having done Little Mermaid and Christine in Las Vegas and all that kind of stuff. What did you learn from her?
1: She has so much grace and just in, she was really supportive and encouraging and kind and lovely and focused and fun she was everything you could ever really want from a leading lady and everything you see of her on social media or however you've seen her come across that is who she is she's there's no mask at all she's a really brilliant and talented woman yeah nothing but love for sierra
0: you'd done les mis the year before the 25th anniversary year and you did the the concert of the o2 yeah Were there many of you who did the Phantom one and the Les one, or were you one of the few?
1: Killian Donnelly. Oh, yeah. He was in it. Katie Hall, obviously. Mm. She played Christine before, and then she was... um, What's the part? I can't remember now.
0: Uh, Cazette.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> They're very so bad. Um, yeah, there were a few. There were a few, actually. It was really nice. Yeah, but that's the thing with those two shows. There seems to be a lot of crossovers. A lot of people have done both of them. I suppose it demands a similar sort of skill set, doesn't it? But yeah, it was nice. It was nice to have done. Actually, that probably made it less terrifying, the Phantom, because we'd already done the O2, and that was just massive. Yeah, it was quite lucky. I was really lucky to get into both of those. When I think about it, it was a pretty special.
0: And to not music. only just be in the Phantom one, but to actually be Meg, like not just <laughs> not just standing there, you know, in the in the in the chorus. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but to have Meg actually, you know, that
1: in the in the O2, and it was it was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> but well, yeah. the pressure's
0: off a little bit, isn't it, with that one? Oh
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you get to just yeah, you get to just chill out with your mates. Well, not chill out, but you know you have a good time, really, really experience it. But um, but yeah, it was it was pretty mega when I think about it now. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. I forgot. Oh,
0: how, how... couldn't, couldn't <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> Which of those shows do you prefer, Phantom or Les Mis?
1: You can't ask me to say that. Well, I'd have to, I don't know. Les Mis was one of the only shows that I really knew, musical theatre-wise, and... Uh, It was one of the only ones that my friends and I came, travelled up from Norwich to London to watch. So to get that as my first job, I was like, "Wow, that's it. I'm done now. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty chuffed. So maybe I'll get in it.
0: And you covered Eponine. So that must have been one of those parts that you dreamt of playing.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That was, and I got to go on. I, I actually went on more for Gavroche than I did
0: for Eponine. Really? Were you one of the secret Gavroche covers or were you actually listed as a Gavroche cover?
1: Uh, I, what do, how do you mean? Sorry.
0: Well, I, I've heard before that, that there are some people who, are, who cover Gavroche but aren't actually listed in the programme as a cover for Gavroche. Yes, I was an emergency right. Gavroche. And yet yeah, that happened more than Eponine? Yeah. That's unexpected.
1: It was fun though. I loved it. I think I actually asked. I asked to be an emergency Gavroche cover because I used to suffer from terrible nerves I'm more right now I'm much better than I was but but for Eponine I was terrified and when I got the phone call from Katie Bryan who was our company manager she, she was like you're on tonight and I was like I'm not I'm not on she said no you're on I said I can't do it Katie I can't do it I had to get myself in the shower I was absolutely terrified Gareth Gates was playing um, Marius at the time and bless him he led me around that stage and was so wonderful and kind because I just I would was a bag of nerves but Gab- what, were you so, so, what
0: were you what what was the thing that scared you do you know what the source of that anxiety was
1: singing I think yeah it was the which is ridiculous because that's all you do with it ladies. but I just I don't know I just had no I just had no confidence in it I knew I could do it but I just I don't know I was terrified
0: did you enjoy it once you were on once you were on where you like I'm okay
1: no I enjoyed it afterwards yeah, but when I was on, not particularly. Well, I, I don't know, there were moments maybe. There were moments when you catch people's eye and, you, you know, they're your friends and those are really special. Those little moments that you have on stage with each other are just, yeah, they, they're, they're pretty pretty special. So that kept me going.
0: Did the relief come when you died or when you went off after that until the finale were you still a bag of nerves?
1: No, the, the relief came when I died yeah (laughs) and then after that you know
0: you're just like oh it's the finale you know I'm dead so you know
1: on at the end how (laughs) bad can it be (laughs) yeah yeah no no the relief came once um once I died
0: who was the eponine that you covered was it Samantha Barks yes Yes. so did you did you ever have a conversation with her about it or was there any like what can I do
1: no I don't think we ever really no I don't think we ever really chatted about it or anything she's really really lovely but but no, we never really chatted about, about that kind of thing. I think maybe she gave me a heads up that she wasn't going to be around at that time. I think she gave me like a little warning, like you might be on, because I was second cover. I wasn't first, which is why
0: oh, right. you just
1: get thrown on when you need to be thrown on. So, yeah, she gave me a little heads up, but we never really chatted about, about the part.
0: Do you think there's more anxiety that comes with being a second cover than a first cover?
1: I mean, I've never been a first cover, so I wouldn't know, but yeah, I would imagine so, because you just, you never know. You never ever know when it's going to happen. You know that it's probably going to happen at some point. I think it happened for me, like literally a few weeks before we we closed. It was quite near the end. So I hadn't done any cover rehearsal or anything for months. So it was that sort of, you just have to rely on what you remember seeing previously. Yeah. second covers are extraordinary people never never underestimate them and I was a swing at the time as well and swings and second covers any covers they're the cogs that keep it going
0: yeah absolutely I'm very intrigued about the emergency gavroche cover though (laughs) I just can't even I've never seen that happen I've only ever seen the the children what has to happen for an emergency gavroche to go on
1: so um so you always have two gavroches in the building one of them was unwell, and then the, then the other one turned out to be unwell. And that was it. I think it came up to me in, it was very sweet, came up to me um, during warm up saying, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And I was so desperate to go on. I was like, it's all right. You should go home. <laughs> you <can> go <laughs> home. <have." laughs> I sent him back in. I was like, I'll look after this. Don't you <laughs> worry. But I think our, our, emer- our first cover emergency, Gavroche was um aj and she was she was on for another part she was on for fontaine which is why i then ended up doing it but uh and weirdly how weird is this johnny baby was in the audience one night when emergency gavroche was on and we think it was the night that i was on so he saw me as gavroche before we'd ever worked together before because he was friends with sam Box. so um so, yeah, how weird is that? Out of all the nights for Johnny Bailey to come and watch, he saw me as Gavroche.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> what was it about Gavroche that you loved? Like, what was the bit that you were so excited about? Um,
1: it was nice to be part of the gang, really, because the women in Les Mis are sort of, well, they're either whores they're either or they're sort of lighting lanterns for their men, you know. Oh, some of them do fight. No, that's unfair to say that they, they can be quite feisty, but to be part of the... The Boys was, was really fun. And to
0: was Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a good death.
0: I suppose it's a less tragic part from the get-go, isn't it? I mean, obviously it has a tragic ending, but it's not like Fontaine where it's like, oh, it's just one bad day after another.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't have to sell my hair or my teeth or anything. I just, Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I just wove a flag and stuff. But, yeah, he's cool. Gavrosh just Gavros just speaks the truth. He's the truth teller. And he doesn 't care, and he 's feisty and um, yeah it 's just a really fun thing to do
0: when you 're playing a part that 's played by a child hmm. does that did you just play it as 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 the age you were, or did you have to try and pretend to be a kid
1: Well, I think i 'm almost the same height as some of the Gavroche anyway, so I kind of had that on my side um, i didn 't put on any kind of silly voices or anything i just I just played it for what it is i think i didn 't try and do anything. I think I kind of got away with it. I don't know. Katie Bryan was out, and she was was our company manager. I went on a couple of times to Gavroche, but I remember her saying one time she was out in the auditorium and she overheard some of the audience talking about Gavroche, saying, oh, I like Gavroche. And then then apparently somebody else said, he's quite camp, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, so yeah, apparently I was quite a camp gavroche, I don't know what I was doing, but yeah, my, uh, my femininity was obviously coming through, but you have to strap yourself down, you have to strap bits of yourself down, you get taped up and all this kind of thing, but um, yeah, it was kind of camp, apparently.
0: <laughs> a sassy gavroche, you'd love to see it.
1: Oh, come on, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I I've bought some sass for sure, Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing the moment when he's like when he has Javert sent away. I'm just imagining like a real sassy like <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah.
1: See ya. Um, we had some sassy Gavros actually. Yeah. It works. It's a good it's a good spin on it.
0: It's a good take, good take. <laughs> um we have to talk about a chorus line. Again, I had no I mean, probably same as you, I'm guessing. Did you know this one? You
1: know what? I knew this one and I wanted to hear this one. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I I didn't and my friend uh, had got us tickets and I came, I think it was like the third or fourth night, it was really early in the run and I had no idea what to expect and, you know, the piano starts and you're all out there and I was like, okay, I don't really know what this is and then the, the... big music happens and I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, <laughs> I just got
1: goosebumps when you were talking about that bit. Yeah. Oh,
0: I just, I loved it so much. And I just, I, you know, when how you can just remember certain things in your head that stick out, I can actually visualize, cause we were in the front row, I, Victoria Hamilton Barrett in front of me during what I did for love, just mm-hmm. crying. Yeah. And I can see that so clearly. I guess this show meant a lot to every single one of you.
1: This show was emotionally the the, the trickiest, I think. Um, you talk about Vix there, you know, she, we have many chats, Vix and I, because obviously we played sisters a couple of years before, so we were really good mates already. But it was a, it's a tough one, it's a really tough one. You have to stand on stage every night in a leotard, on a line, and your whole, <clears throat> your whole performance is basically a, a, an audition, which is a terrifying thing anyway to do in real life. So doing it night after night, after night, after night, having to prove yourself. And there's an audience watching you whilst you're feeling you're most vulnerable. And then when you're one of the ones that doesn't get picked at the end as well, it's even harder because you go through that every night. You're like, Oh, and again, I got rejected. You think maybe Zach's going to pick me tonight, but they can't change the script. So you don't get picked, but it was a tough, it was a tough one, but I think it was, I don't know. It would be interesting to speak. I never spoke to anybody who, who had seen it? Who hasn't auditioned before? But it'd be interesting to know what people got from it, what they what they saw from the process, because that is how dance auditions go, you know.
0: Was it a really long, laboured audition process for that show? Because didn't they have open open an open call?
1: They did. Yeah, and we got we got one person from the open call. I think it was. I can't remember how many rounds there were, but it was full on. So we did the opening routine again and again and again and again and we had to just keep going till you think you're going to throw up because this it was a tough it was a tough show yeah but I that was a job that I really wanted because I remember it from my childhood we I did a summer school in Norwich years and years and years ago and we did an excerpt from a chorus line and for some reason it always stuck in my head and then when I heard it was coming I was like right this is it so I think that entire audition process I was in the most focused I've ever been on wanting to get a job.
0: Was Is that still the case? How do you mean? Is that still the, the most you've ever been since since that point?
1: Um, no. No, but at the time, definitely.
0: What have been the subsequent jobs that have given you the same feeling?
1: Well, I wanted to do the Flying Lovers of Vitebsk. I wanted to do company. In fact... In fact, you know what? I think actually maybe that might, that might have started the process from, from there on. That was the job where I was like, this is what you need. This is the focus that you needed. If you want to get something, you have to really, really work hard and focus on it. And from then on, I try and implement that.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. My friend worked at the Savoy at the time, front of house, and he said that um, they made Scarlett literally do like a 10-hour day on the stage at the Savoy just to keep, like they just keep running, running her through it. So that's why I asked about that, about what the auditions were like. Were they, were they really long days?
1: I can't remember, to be honest. I remember being on the stage. I do remember doing the dance, the opening dance routine a lot. They probably were quite, but they wouldn't have been as intense as they were for Scarlett, bless her. I mean, she was really put through it. The whole rehearsal process, we would all get broken for lunch, but Scarlett would have to do her routine. Yeah, and that oh, would be yeah. daily.
0: Was that like an intentional thing because that's kind of what happens to Cassie in the show? Do you think they did that on purpose?
1: Maybe it could have been that sort of thinking, but also...
0: Psychological.
1: Yeah, potentially, potentially. They, you know, they weren't mucking around with us, the Americans. They were, they were making sure that we would, you know, and they were really proud of that piece because Byork was the original um, Connie and she has a lot of love for that piece. So she, she wanted to make sure that we were going to do it justice. And if that meant you know, 10-hour rehearsals. That's what we had to do. But we were all, I think everybody was up for that. We, you know, we felt, we were all aware of what we were in, which was an iconic piece of theatre. So, um, yeah, you're going to work
0: hard. Was B.B. the part that you wanted from the get-go or were you just, did you just want to be on the show regardless?
1: <laughs> I think I just wanted to be in the show and whatever they thought I would be in, what part I would be, I'd be happy with that. But then, you know, looking at it, there was no other part for me to do. I think, yeah, I think BB was just, they, they picked the right personalities, they knew. Yeah, yeah.
0: I know you said you have a terrible memory, but I'm really hoping you can remember this. God. Can you remember either the first, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt here, can you remember either the first or the last time you did at the ballet with Lee Zimmerman and Vicky Lee Taylor? I remember- the, How that felt. I remember the,
1: Is in the first time in, in a rehearsal, or on stage,
0: whichever comes to you more vividly.
1: Um, I remember the first time we did it on stage. I remember that. I remember that first night so brilliantly, and I remember the last night as well. The first night was extraordinary, and Lee is just great, and so is Vicki Lee Taylor. You know. We, we, Again, it was one of those shows where you're in it and then you then you remember so you go through the rehearsal process and you kinda like then it starts to become your job and you're like, Oh, I'm going to rehearsal today, I'm going to rehearsal today. And then not until you get an audience in do you remember what you're actually in. And then the first time we did Away from the Mirrors, five, six, seven, eight, the roof went off the palladium. It was like, Oh my god, yeah, we're in a chorus line. And it's the same thing happened without the ballet because it's so that's an iconic number. So yeah, I do remember the first night and the last night, I think I just cried throughout the entire show for for lots of reasons. You know, it was a really tough piece to do. And it was sort of like, thank God we don't have to do this anymore. And also, I've loved it. But it was real mixed emotions with, with the chorus line. But yeah, I definitely cried the whole way, the whole way through the last time. yeah.
0: From what I've read, it, it, it was quite a bittersweet thing because I was devastated when you didn't win the Olivier because... I I loved that product I think because it it was so brand new to me as well I came back three or four times I just loved it so much and then I was like of course it's going to win the Olivier why wouldn't it and then it didn't and then they'd announced a cash recording and a documentary and then none of it happened it was for the fans obviously it was sad but for to be in that how did you react and did you have to kind of protect yourself against getting too upset by it
1: yeah I think that I think that's it it was the latter you just have to it's out of your control. So what can you do? You could get upset about it, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna get us a cast recording. So it's fine. We have brilliant memories from it. I think it's a tough. You know, if it had been my first job, I probably would have found it harder. But it was. It wasn't. So it was kind of like, okay, I understand that this can happen. Nothing is certain. But it was. It was a shame. But Lee got. Lee got an award. Lee got her. Right idea, so uh, thrilled for Lee. And yeah, and we got to perform as well. So there is that. Yeah.
0: What's the emotional process you go through when you get your two weeks notice? Is that the only time that that's happened to, to you when you've been in a show?
1: No, it happened to me really recently. It happened to me last year. I was doing a wonderful production of Peter Pan, directed by Sally Cookson for the, for the National Theatre. And yeah, we got, I, mean, I think we got two week notice, which was really tough but yeah you just again it's just it's just one of those things and you just have to think right well on to the next thing now and part of me I can get quite itchy feet so there is a little element of me going oh okay well I had a really good time on that now let's see what's going to happen around the corner hopefully something or it might be months of nothing but you just don't know yeah it's just tough it's just one of those it's one of those things equally something else could crop up they would never have been able to do so you kind of have to take the rough of the smooth on that
0: sure those months of nothing how do you choose to spend them do you end up having to get a survival job or, or do you go travelling what, what, what does life look like for you when you're not in a show
1: I now work in a gym nice it's really good actually it was something that I started doing on when I was doing company so yeah I, you have to get a survival job of some sort um and working in the gym is fantastic because it keeps me fit and is pretty casual work and they're great they let me go for auditions and things like that but i like yeah i like i like having another job actually it's nice to have a touch base with other people who i would otherwise not necessarily you know get to hang out with so um i think it's yeah i think it's a good thing it's quite grounding
0: have you ever had had a survival job that you've kept while you've been doing a show in an evening
1: no i don't think i i don't think i could but uh no i like to have a lion if possible so
0: which i imagine is needed yeah. um i just wonder because i've heard about people in the past not not a lot but I've, I've heard it mentioned briefly and never been able to ask about it when people have maybe been in in a low-paid ensemble job and they've needed it
1: yeah i yeah that's that is tough that's hard work isn't it um and it sort of shouldn't really be the case either because that's your primary job. So why should you need another job to, to look after that? It's not a, That I find frustrating because this isn't a hobby. It is, it is a job. So you shouldn't have to find something else to supplement it.
0: Especially if you're in a West End show where you, technically you're at the top of an industry, so why are you on minimum wage?
1: Yeah, that's ludicrous. That's really ludicrous. I mean, yeah. I've, done a, I've, done an, I've done some of the Playhouse, I don't know if I should mention venues for paying, not much, but I think that's kind of famous for it. But, um, but luckily I managed to scrape by with, with savings on that. But there were people who needed second jobs on, on things like that. So um, that is frustrating. Shouldn't be the case.
0: Do you think maybe that's something that might change when things start up again? Or do you uh, think it'll be even tougher?
1: I don't, We just don't know, do we? But I can't imagine that it'd be lovely if it did change, but I can't imagine. Well, let's hope these, these venues are even going to survive. Who knows about those smaller fringe venues. But for, with regards to West End shows, yeah, that should... It's,
0: it's naughtier, really, isn't it?
1: Pretty much. Like you say, they're the top of their game. So you should be rewarded for that because there's so much hard work that goes into being on stage. However, whatever capacity you are in, whether backstage, on stage, front stage, you know, in the in the ensemble, yeah, everybody should be rewarded.
0: We've come to, to the point where I do want to talk about company. Yeah. Um which I feel there are there are many questions. Yeah, go on. Um I, I just loved that production. Yeah. I mean, what a treat to, to be in that. It just looks like you all were besotted with, with each other and with the show.
1: <laughs> I don't know how you can get a bunch of people that I've never really met before who are all so completely different to have, honestly, the best time yeah. I've ever had on anything, anywhere, ever. It was It was like a party every night and Friends for Life. It was life-changing, that job.
0: You mentioned it in your list of ones that you really wanted. When did you first get when that it was coming? And did, did you know which part was for you? And, and how did you go after it?
1: I didn't go after it. I didn't. I knew it was happening because I had friends auditioning for it. But I just trusted that if I'm not particularly one for pushing. I, I know the casting director. I really trust and love my agent. So if I'm right for it, I just kind of guess that they're going to call me in. Unless... Unless I'm really bemused as to why I haven't been seen for something, then I might push on it. But with that, I just kind of left it. I knew other people were auditioning. I was like, that's great. Congratulations. Have fun. And then I just got a phone call. I was in, a, So we were in America at the time, and i just got back from Flying Lovers of Vitebsk. And then I got a phone call saying they'd like to see you for company. I was like, right. Um, for the part of Susan. I was like, okay.
0: Did you know who Susan was at that point when you got that phone call? <laughs>
1: nope. But, uh, but yeah, so actually that one I did do because, I, I, you know, it's Marianne Elliott. She's a phenomenal director. Just to be in the room with her is quite extraordinary. So, um, of course, I just knew it was going to be the biggest and best thing ever. Uh, so yeah, I, I worked hard on that one. But it was literally go in, meet Marianne, do the scenes. It was one audition and then that was it. Got, got the job. So it wasn't a long laboured... But that's Marianne. She just knew what she wanted, I think. Um, and she, she instinctively just goes with her gut and then gets these people in a room who just, yeah, who just, I don't know, I think it was just, uh, just bounced off each other and, and just, there was a lot of respect for each other actually in that job. There was no hierarchy or anything like that. Um, everybody was in it um, and with each other and helping each other and doing it for the greater good with the piece yeah
0: did it feel special that you were doing one of the rare big productions of a Sondheim show
1: yeah yeah it was because they don't happen very often do they
0: no not, not they, on that scale
1: no not on that scale and uh yeah now you mention it you know you don't again you, I didn't really think of it at the time about the grand scale of it I, I, I tend to focus on the smaller things like Marianne, and. They're not small things,
0: <laughs> but, but the things Marianne, that you can focus on on a micro exactly, level.
1: Exactly, exactly that. Yeah. So I don't tend to think of the bigger picture. What and otherwise, I think I'd just be overwhelmed and just won't be able to get up in the morning and um, it'd be too hard. But yeah, so just kind of focusing on those things. But I knew, I knew it was something brilliant from the moment, from the moment of meeting Marianne to the moment that Bunny Christie showed the model box to listening to the music and us all learning the opening number for the first time and Liam Steele with his magnificent choreography so when you put all those things together I knew it was pretty epic
0: Did you have to do The Priest in the audition or was it just the Susan material?
1: I did have to do The Priest yeah <laughs> The was just... Priest
0: So as much as you were, you were cast as Susan was The Priest I mean surely The Priest was your favourite bit surely it was
1: uh... It was. Do not you know what I can't? It was. I mean, it's so different and bonkers, isn't it? So I loved being Susan because you get to be with your mates, and I was with lovely Ashley Campbell, with my husband, and you know, you get all you get to do all the fun numbers with um, with the rest of the cast, and that's when you get to hang out with Mel and Pat and Pat's and stuff like that. But um, Priest, <laughs> Priest. Looking back, I feel very honoured that they asked me to do that.
0: Is that part of the Susan track traditionally, or was that just something that they wanted you to do?
1: Um, no, because I, I think in the Broadway cast, it's Jenny who sings Priest. So it's, it's, it's whoever is able to sing that part, they'll, they'll give it to them. Yeah. Although lots of audience members didn't know who it was. Some people thought it was Patty. What? Yeah, some people thought it was just a different person completely who'd just been brought in just for that for that part, and they were kind of questioning, "Where's the priest gone?" In the rest. Of oh, it? I
0: could tell it was you straight away.
1: My mum could not She didn't. But know maybe,
0: but maybe that's because I've seen you do Soprano stuff before.
1: Oh, possibly. Okay.
0: So maybe I was like, "Of course, it's Daisy." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well done. But yeah, my my mum didn't know. She was like, "Who?" Sweet.
0: And also, the wig was very similar to your Dainty Dune act too. You yeah,
1: well, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it really and, was. Yeah, with the glasses as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is.
0: Have you ever had such an audible reaction to something you've done as an individual on stage that's not been part of an ensemble number?
1: No, no, it was like being a rock star. It was just so ridiculous. A rock star in in socks and sandals popping out of a cake. (laughs) And from
0: from the get-go as well, it's not even like... I mean, it gets bigger and bigger with the second and third time, but (laughs) even from that first moment when you came up, I just remember everyone loving it.
1: I mean, that was just the most brilliantly staged piece of theatre. We mm. have to give credit to the staging on that. I just, I was just lucky to rock up and be part of something fantastic. You've got Johnny Bailey who is just sublime and one of the hardest working people I've ever had the privilege of working with. And now one of my most treasured friends um, being brilliant And Alex Come on, So to be part of that little trio, and then on top of that, be given this gift of staging where it's just immediately an audience loves it. It's nothing to do with me. It's the fact that I'm on a hydraulic lift. That's funny. And coming out of a fridge is funny. Like those things. Just,
0: I'm behind yeah. the door. I'm
1: behind the door. Yeah. And all the magic. The, yeah. The, the,
0: Did the door ever hit you in the face?
1: The door never hit me in the face.
0: I was worried for you.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, the door never hit me in the face. I got caught in the in the magic sliding doorway where, where I would disappear through. So that broke the illusion once or twice. I don't know, something happened in the fridge once. There were a couple of times in that show where Johnny and I would catch each other's eye during that bit and, and I might not have been able to quite get my words out from laughing too much because something is going wrong.
0: I was going to ask if you'd ever corpsed in that moment because it, I mean...
1: <laughs> yeah, I corpsed in that moment. Um, <laughs> bless, and I tried to keep it down because obviously... Johnny has to have as much breath control as he possibly can. So I can't drag him down with my sinking ship. But
0: and also it's an orde- That number is such an ordeal for him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't have Jamie suddenly laughing, whereas priest, I think can do what the hell she likes. <laughs> so, so yeah, but I'm she's sure. just there
0: for having to have a great time.
1: <laughs> she's there to wind him up. It's basically her job. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. But to be honest, I corpse at anything. I'm terrible. I'll look. For, I can look for it on stage. I'm like, come on, somebody make me laugh. Patty's terrible for it. Mel is the worst.
0: I'm not so, surprised. Yeah,
1: there'll be lots of times on stage where we'd all be, um, we'd all be laughing.
0: So, as someone who is not a musical theatre boffin, yeah. when you found out you were going to be working with Patty Lupone, was your response? Sorry, who? <laughs>
1: of course, it wasn't. <laughs> um, no, Patty Lupone. Yeah, that was that was quite daunting. But then when you meet her, you just instantly. She's just Patty. I know it sounds sort of ridiculous to say, and you know, and lots of people are fascinated by her because she is Patty Lapone, So,
0: and she's a force of nature.
1: Completely. And you know, we see these videos of her online, shouting at the audience and things like that. But that is. Well, I was amazing. going to ask,
0: had you heard that story before you met her, or was that something that you found out about her later? Oh, no, on?
1: I, I knew that. I knew of that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. But that's one moment in her life. One tiny moment in her life, and then the rest of the time, she's Pat's. And so, you know, you don't hear about those. You don't see Patty just being Patty. You just see those highlights. So, yeah, but she's not. She's, she's, she's brilliant.
0: And I don't think anyone thinks bad of her for that, for that gypsy video at all. I think everyone's yeah. probably on her side. Yeah,
1: completely. But you could, be, you could find it quite terrifying, intimidating, and think, oh, Christ, if I do anything slightly wrong, is she going to shout at me? But, no. Nah. She is the naughtiest person on stage ever. She's terrible. She's a mischief maker.
0: I'm just amazed that they got her to do ensemble choreography.
1: She was well up for it.
0: She'd be doing she great- She looked like she was loving it, but hadn't she just, she'd had like a hip replacement the year before, hadn't she?
1: And she just had, I think she just had another one. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, but she would never complain. She'd just get on with it. She'd, um, she'd be in her rehearsal heels, you know, moving tables and chairs around. Um, shouting at Liam uh, yeah she was great she was great and at the same time so she could do the choreography but at the same time she could be playing some other sort of sideline game that would be um, be going on as well so she could do two things at the same time just to create a bit of mischief
0: what sort of games did you play?
1: I can't possibly tell you that
0: <laughs> that sounds very naughty
1: <laughs> yeah there was, there was yeah her and Mel are a very good team oh really? yeah they wind oh. up they're great
0: yeah. Oh Mel's just wonderful, isn't she?
1: Mel's is just a delight. She's again one of those people like Sierra that you you see on camera and you think, oh, they can't possibly be that lovely, and then turns out they are.
0: And I think that that job was was quite an unexpected thing for for her, as in like from an audience perspective, is that oh, she's doing a musical, and yet she was just. She was just so so good in that in that part.
1: Yeah, but she trained. She's she, you know, she, she's she's an actor at heart. That's what she does, and then um, she's also turns out to be a brilliant TV personality because because she's so wonderful and lovely and kind and warm and generous and brilliant and funny. But she's also talented, and yeah, it was. And she, I think she she loved being part of it as well. She, you know, we shared a dressing room, me, her, and Jen. She just loved it. She loved the whole process of being in a show. So I mean, she'd been in shows before, but yeah, first musical theatre one. And what a a show to be in as well. Like, if you're going to do a musical, come on.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Let's do that one. Priest aside, what was your favourite part of the show to do every night? Was it the big group numbers?
1: Side by side. Yeah, definitely. Side by side. I quite like TikTok, which wasn't, we didn't do it in some previews. But
0: um, TikTok... Yeah, I heard that that got added in. So what was there before? Nothing. So it just went... I can't remember the sequence now. Um, was so, it, is it Barcelona that follows it? Yeah.
1: So it would have gone straight from her going to bed with Andy to waking up to Barcelona. So oh, okay, yeah. Be- so it
0: wouldn't have felt like there was a hole, I suppose.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. It did kind of work. But you missed TikTok. I thought TikTok was, was great.
0: It was genius because just the way it builds and you have no idea what it's going to become when it starts off.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that there's a few moments in that show where you can get derailed. And then if you fall off the tracks, then you can't get back on the tracks. And then it just turns into absolute chaos. And TikTok was one of those moments. Because if you come out of that door two seconds too late, then you screw up everybody else. But there were so many moments. The opening number... If you if you came in wrong on that, then how do you get back from that? And that happened a few times. And then I'd start laughing, and then I'd be lost. And um, but yeah, so every night you'd be kept on your toes. But I loved I loved TikTok. But side by side was
0: was it's just a party.
1: It was a party, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did anything really ever go really awry in TikTok though? Because like you say, it's a logistical thing. Did anyone ever crash into anyone else? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Oh yeah, that kind of thing happened. Yeah, there were definite moments of that and we had to pick up specific things and if you didn't pick up that thing then it would be left in the scene after and then it wouldn't make any sense like why is there now some I don't know, what were people carrying, some underwear or whatever why is that now lying around on stage so yeah, there, there would be there would be moments <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, and then you've got Mel as well who can't be trusted, well she can but there were definite moments of chaos between all of us, I think I think one time maybe my wig fell off halfway through it or because we were wearing these ginger wigs. So yeah, certainly things could go wrong in TikTok and you, and obviously nice. you can't laugh, like, you know, we're not supposed to see each other either. So, um-
0: So there's a traumatizing nightmare. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: I'm just trying to think how that must have been for Rosalie. Because if, you know, seeing all of these people who look like you and then just
1: sitting there watching it, thinking, what the hell is going on? And and that is exactly what we're all thinking is what the hell's going on? And we're all internally going, one, two, three, four, one. Because it all on counts, and making that up actually was was pretty fun.
0: So, it did you fun. develop that while you were already in previews? If it wasn't part of the, were you doing that in the day and then putting it in at night?
1: No, we'd, we'd, we'd it had always been in the rehearsals. We haven't finished checking. We'd run out of time, so the one thing that we could take out of context, and then we had to recheck it in.
0: The composer and lyricist himself came over.
1: Who's he? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I think some unknown newcomer, Stephen Sondheim.
1: Oh, Steve, yeah, I think I've heard of him, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was that like what was that experience like
1: well sort of terrifying but not just it was almost like you don't quite believe it it didn't quite feel feel real he was there I knew he was there you could just now and then you'd hear this voice in the auditorium and it would be Stephen calling out notes or talking to Marianne but Yeah, it's, again, one of those things that perhaps you don't appreciate much at the time because you've got so many other things to think about. But then when you look back at it, you go, oh, my God, Stephen Sondheim was there. Um, And he was there when we did our cast recording as well. Just real privilege and honour again to be part of that.
0: Was that your first cast recording?
1: We did one for the 25th. Well, it was live. for um, yeah for phantom
0: so was it your first studio album
1: <laughs> oh no we did one for wonder.land oh did you yeah i just remembered that yeah so we spent quite a lot of time in damon Albarn's studio which was which was cool because there was loads of like gorillas stuff around i was like oh my god oh, this is amazing so yeah we did one for that and then i'm trying to think if we ever did another one for anything else no
0: to be honest even sondheim catch record i mean that is a, a thing on so many people's wish lists and you've done it.
1: I know. I'm so jammy. I can't quite believe it. But yeah, it's there. And like I say, that's, that is one of the only ones that um,
0: I've got. That you've got on your, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you get any notes from him? And how did that make you feel?
1: Yeah, I did get notes about Priest to be more church-like, to be, I think, I think eventually Priest had become quite uh, (laughs) rock and roll (laughs) as I'd gone on and I started adding in growls and stuff and just sort of really pushing it Um, and then when it came to cast recording, I think Stephen was like, what the hell is this? Can you tell her to be more angelic, I think was the note that I got given and a bit more pure, so (laughs) I think Priest had gone a bit off the rails. But yeah, but I was like, hey, give me all the notes. I, I don't mind. Yeah, that's it's your, it's your show, mate. <laughs> you tell me
0: what you Absolutely. Mean. Yeah. I love that the priest went rock and roll. That's brilliant. Yeah, she went um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's New York. It, it's now the modern day. It's not the 70s anymore. She can she can do what she wants.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I, yeah. And also, I felt like I could do what I wanted because I was in a wig and glasses. So nobody knew who I was. So yeah, I was getting a bit wild towards the end.
0: That's so funny that even your mum didn't know it was you.
1: No, she turned to my auntie. She was watching and went, is that? It was about halfway through. I think it was, I think it was like by the time I came out the fridge. She then turned to my auntie and was like, is that Daisy? My auntie was like, of course it is. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, no, she didn't know.
0: Bless her. The, the question I, I like to ask a lot of people at the end is not what is your dream role or what, what is your dream show, but who are your dream collaborators?
1: Oh, my God. I had a really lovely time with Sally Cookson and it was, it was quite a short period of time, but I would like to work with her again in any capacity. I like, she is a brilliant woman and she's a woman for women and that can be quite rare to come across actually, so her, female, I, I, like, to, I like to work with more women in general actually because Marianne was brilliant, yeah so let's go women in general find me some women to work with and i'll work with them it's
0: a good answer it's a good answer oh thank you so much i really love chatting with oh, you it's been so
1: so lovely thank
0: you for having me well that's it for this week daisy will be back at the end of this series with a special bonus episode next time on the podcast i'll be chatting with melanie the barry who was playing the nurse in and juliet before lockdown subscribe now to make sure you don't miss it And please leave a rating and a review on our Apple Podcasts page if you can. Until next week, thank you very much for listening.